Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon, I'm Chua Tian Tian with your Market View. Now, what a week it has been, honestly. We've seen news of how U.S. Federal Reserve officials may debate a historic one percentage point rate hike after the country's consumer price index rose by 9.1%, or the fastest since December 1981. And around the world, policymakers in New Zealand, Canada, South Korea and the Philippines have all announced rate hikes over the past week fanning fears that policymakers could go too far and tip leading economies into a recession. Back home, the Monetary Authority of Singapore has made a surprise off-cycle move to tighten its monetary policy, or put simply to strengthen the Singapore dollar and reduce imported inflation. So what implications will these developments have on global markets, the US and Singapore markets in the weeks ahead, and what are some stocks we can look into in the meantime? I'm going to pose these questions to the smart investor, or rather, David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Now, here's part one of our conversation. Mr. Kuo, let's start with the US. Now, market watchers betting that the Fed might go for a one percentage point rate hike in July, up from the previous 50 or 75 basis points expected. What are your thoughts? What are the chances of that happening? I think it's almost in inevitable, Tian Tian, because if you have a look at uh, the current Fed fund rate, the interest rate set by the Federal Reserve is 1.75%. Meanwhile, you've got inflation running at over 9%. Now, that just doesn't make any sense, especially when you hear the Federal Reserve saying they are going to try and control inflation. If you are going to control inflation, then you have to ensure that the interest rates that you set are above the rate of inflation. Otherwise, how else are you going to control inflation? So when you have a look at the Fed fund rate, 1.75%, inflation rate, 9%, it's got a long way to go before it can actually get uh, the Fed fund rate above the rate of inflation. Now, what it's hoping for is that inflation will start to moderate, and that hasn't happened. Uh, if anything, it looks as though inflation is accelerating. So I don't think the Federal Reserve has any choice but to be aggressive in terms of its rate hikes. Uh, at first, people thought it was going to be a half a percent, then it was three quarters of a percent. And then, as we saw in the case of Canada, they increased it by one percent. So that, I think, has set a kind of benchmark for central banks elsewhere, and they are going to have to be very aggressive. So by the end of this month, I wouldn't be in the least surprised if the Fed fund rate is at 2.75%. And then we start looking forward to, well, not looking forward to, but I mean, we will be looking at uh, further rate hikes uh, from now until the end of uh, 2022. It may be glazing at a crystal ball rather at this point, but any indications of when inflation might end the US right now? Well, uh, I think what we have to remember is that the Federal Reserve, although it hasn't specifically said this, uh, it hasn't explicitly said that it wants um, uh, to drive the economy into recession, but I don't think it has any choice because as long as the economy is still very buoyant and consumers are out there spending money and people are piling into, uh, say, property, the Federal Reserve has a very difficult job. So what it needs to do is to almost drive fear into the hearts of consumers and say to consumers, you've got to stop spending because if you, if you continue to spend at the rate that you are, it means that demand for whatever supply of goods are out there is going to uh, be high. 
And we all know from basic economics that if demand is greater than supply, prices go up. So what the Federal Reserve is trying to do, although it will refuse to actually say it wants to drive the economy into recession, it has no choice but to do so. In other words, it's what I call the scorched earth policy. It's going to try and scorch the earth and make it so difficult for people to go out and spend money that um, supply will then come into sync with demand. In other words, we're going to get more supply of goods than the demand that is uh, in existence. And if we can manage to do that, then inflation will start to come down. But the big problem is when you do that, it does have the effect of driving economies into recession. Mm. In that case, will we be expecting a recession in the US and the global economy sometime next year? And if that's the case, where do you see equities or the broad-based S&P 500 moving in the near term? Okay, right. There's a lot of things there, Tian Tian, that we need to unpick. The first one is we shouldn't be too afraid of recession because recessions are kind of normal. Uh, what you have in an economic cycle is that uh, people uh, start to get braver, people start to get um, uh, greedier, and they go out and start buying stuff. And then that drives the economy forward until such time that it reaches a point that um, supply and demand are out of sync. And then what we need then is for something to bring the thing back into balance again. And that is what a recession really is. It's just saying that, look, economies can't continue to grow all the time, particularly at very high rates, because it just doesn't make sense. And so we therefore need some kind of slowdown, a breaking process to allow uh, the companies, the businesses, the service industry to catch up with uh, the excessive demand that is out there. So we shouldn't be too worried about recession. But the other question is, why do we have recessions? Um, I think the simple answer is that what it allows companies to do is to try and sort out the strong from the weak ones. When interest rates were very low, it encouraged a lot of businesses to start because they thought, well, uh, consumer demand is there or whatever demand is out there at the moment, so I can start a business and no matter how rubbish my business is, people will buy my stuff because there is just so much money sloshing around. So effectively, what we are seeing now is the payback from 2008, believe it or not, after the great financial crisis, when trillions of dollars were pumped into the global economy and all of this money was sloshing around looking for a home. And some of it went into assets such as properties. Some of them went into bonds. And some of your listeners may remember that there was a time when bonds were producing or delivering a negative yield. So much money was available that people were saying to borrowers, oh, borrow the money that, um, that I have and I will pay you for borrowing my money. I mean, what a nonsense that was. And it was that nonsense situation that we had that showed the whole world there was just too much money sloshing around the global economy. And so what the Federal Reserve is now doing, and it's calling it quantitative mm. tightening, is that it's not mm. only increasing interest rates, but it's also trying to withdraw those trillions of dollars that it has pumped into the global economy to try and stabilize the global, global economy rather mm. than allow the, uh, the global economy to overheat tenfold. Mm, certainly. So, Mr. Kuo, that being said, there is a very interesting article from your website that's titled How to Profit from a Bear Market that we are seeing now. Give us a tip or two. What kind of an investing strategy would a smart investor like you take right now if they were to put their monies in the US stock market? Okay, right. 
we need to differentiate between share price performance and uh, operational performance in terms of the company. Now, a company can be in existence, and uh, some of your listeners may be uh, shopkeepers, they may be people that run uh, factories. Those companies are not listed on the stock market. But if you have a look at the operations of those businesses, a shopkeeper might say, today um, I have good sales. Today's sales are actually better than yesterday's sales, and they were certainly better than a year ago sales. And so when you have a look at the business, you will say, the business is doing well. And that is really what people need to do with regard to the stock market. Don't focus on the price. We have no control over the price of a share, but we do have some control over the kind of businesses that we want to buy. And when you have businesses that are able to produce profits, able to, uh, to raise sales, and also to generate cash, those are the kind of businesses we need to focus on. And I am an income investor, which therefore means that I look for companies that are able to pay me a dividend, either half yearly or quarterly, or in some cases every year. And these are the companies that I look at and say, how much dividend am I earning from this company now compared to last year? And how much do I expect this company to pay me in dividends next year? Now, if the company is paying increasing dividends year after year or quarter after quarter, those are the kind of companies that people should be invested in because it means that the company is doing well because the company is producing more profits and is actually sharing some of those profits with its investors. And those are the kind of companies that people need to look for. With regard to the share price, well, I have no control of the share price. If everybody piles in and buys those shares, then it means that when I need to reinvest the money that I have, it's going to cost me more because it means that the share price is higher. I have to pay more for the dividends that that company generates. Mm -hmm. But if the share price falls, it means that I can actually buy mm -hmm. those dividends much cheaper. And so as far as I'm concerned, I love this market because the market is actually uh, either staying where it is or falling. And the more it falls, it means the cheaper I can go out and buy those dividends that I need in order mm -hmm. to sustain me over the next 10, 20, 30 years. Thank you, Mr. Kuo. I've been speaking to David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Now, for more on what kind of sectors and companies we should be looking at in the US and Singapore, stay tuned to part two of our conversation coming up next week. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.